Hello, and welcome to the second episode of On the Case. I'm Michael DePoe Wilson, your host, and thank you very much for joining us today. And we have a special episode of On the Case this month. We will be featuring the most recent edition of the Frost series. Now, the Frost series is a special case report series that is published every month in Anesthesiology News. It is always the last article in every issue, and you can always find the articles online as well. Today, I'll be speaking with the author of that case report, Dr. Carl Lowe. He is an assistant professor of anesthesiology in the Department of Anesthesiology Critical Care Medicine at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, California. He wrote a case report titled, Pediatric POCUS to Diagnose and Treat Transfusion-Associated Circulatory Overload. I would also like to thank Dr. Sonia Vaida, who is the clinical editor for the Frost series in Anesthesiology News. And I would recommend that you read the case report as it does make an excellent companion to this interview. And you can find a link to the case report that we'll be discussing today in the description of the episode. If you want to read other case reports, I would encourage you to visit the website anesthesiologynews.com or you can check out the print issue that comes out every month. If you have a case report of your very own that you would like to submit to us for consideration, just go to anesthesiologynews.com slash case submission and follow the instructions there for how to submit your case report to us. We would love to see what you have. Now, without further ado, let's get into this episode's case with our second ever guest, Dr. Carl Lowe. The Anesthesiology News 2021 Winter Spring Buyer's Guide is available 24-7 on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device. The Buyer's Guide gives you access to more than 80 new products for your practice, from airway management to ultrasound. Check out the 2021 Winter Spring Buyer's Guide today at anesthesiologynews.com slash buyer's guide. Carl, welcome to the second ever episode of On the Case. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So before we get into talking about the case that you wrote that is appearing in the March issue of Anesthesiology News, I'd like to just ask you a little bit about yourself. Could you tell us where you practice and and some of your background in medicine? Sure. I'm currently a pediatric anesthesiologist in CHLA, Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. I did my general anesthesiology training in West Virginia University and went on to do my pediatric anesthesia fellowship at Johns Hopkins. Then I did another additional pediatric pain management fellowship here in CHLA, Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. So my biggest area of interest is obviously pediatric anesthesia and pediatric pain management and also point of care ultrasound um, has a special place in my heart. And that's what we'll talk about a little bit of it today. You wrote a really interesting case report and really just a general overview of one specific use of point of care ultrasound. It's a really great read and definitely encourage our listeners to go check that out when we'll put a link in the episode description um, so that you can find that on the website. Let's just get right into it. So can you tell us a little bit more about the case? Uh, Sure. This case is really about how we can use point of care ultrasound to quickly diagnose and treat pulmonary edema uh, in a small child, in our case, a three-year-old who has what we call taco 
which stands for transfusion associated circulatory overload from multiple blood um, uh, product transfusion for upper GI bleed. And is this a case that you've come across multiple times or is this unique? For this case report, it's definitely unique at that time. But since uh, this case happened a few years ago, we have encountered multiple similar situations afterwards. So it's definitely unique itself, but it's a recurring theme that we see the utilization of point of care ultrasound is very effective. So we're hoping that many anesthesiologists out there can use this uh, new method uh, to diagnose pulmonary edema. Is the fact that you are seeing it happen a little bit more now where you, you have the opportunity to use point of care ultrasound, is that one of the reasons you decided to write this particular case report? Yes, definitely. Um, when I was learning and training point of care ultrasound years ago when they started coming out, I thought it was one of the most interesting and new technology because I'm a big fan of technology. But surprisingly, just in the midst of my learning and training and learning, cases like this keeps coming up. Um, it's surprising that the use and application of point-of-care ultrasound is a lot more prevalent than myself and many people think. So I think as you get better and better and more comfortable of using point-of-care ultrasound, the more use of it, the more applicable it will be to your patient's practice. And also it's better for patient safety as well. So could you tell us a little bit what your role was uh, in, in treating this patient? Well, this patient initially uh, presented to emergency room with abdominal pain, upper GI bleed, uh, dark red emesis, but no respiratory symptoms at all. Um, the hemoglobin initially was six, uh, down from her baseline of 10 a few months ago. So this patient has significant amount of um, anemia and bleeding. Um, but in emergency room, she got multiple rounds of blood products and was hemodynamically stable uh, before the patient got to me, uh, to us in the operating room for uh, upper endoscopy under general anesthesia to try to stop the bleeding. Um, so this is um, how the case started to me. But you know, the case went very well from the induction, the intubation, the maintenance, even throughout the whole scalar therapy to stop the upper GI bleed. The case went very well, very smooth. But it wasn't until the end of the case where the patient started having oxygen desaturation uh, for unknown reason in an otherwise healthy child. I assume that that's the point when you realized that there's something unique happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Before I did anything, um, everybody was wondering what the problem was, but nobody, including myself, could figure out why this otherwise healthy, no respiratory symptoms uh, child has so much oxygen desaturation at that time near the end of the case. So that's when I decided to use ultrasound just to take a look to see what I'm seeing. And on ultrasound, we could see numerous B-line, which are prominent vertical lines of acoustic artifact which is a telltale sign for interstitial lung disease, such as pulmonary edema, which makes sense in this case who got enormous amount of blood transfusion quickly before the surgery, resulting in pulmonary edema. Um, so seeing is believing. Uh, it's really convincing, especially when I started giving Lasix, five milligram IV push um, at a time. And you can start seeing the uh, prominent B line slowly going away 
and then the horizontal A line, which is normal artifact of the plural lines starting emerging. Um, so that's when I and multiple people in the operating room are more convinced that this is pulmonary edema and we are treating it appropriately. And that's when we realize um, how important and how quickly we can diagnose and treat pulmonary edema using ultrasound, point of care ultrasound. And is that decision that you made to turn to point of care ultrasound to sort of find that solution, is that something that you had a lot of experience with prior to that moment? Or was it you knew that this was a possible tool that you could use and you just decided to take a chance on it? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, That was the first time myself learning to use point of care ultrasound on real uh, patient clinical scenario. Um, I mean, cases like this, I read about, you know, and learning about it during the course that I took with point of care ultrasound. But this is, uh, it was fascinating to me because it was the first time it happened to me where I could use uh, clinical practice um, in my own patient and with a satisfying result. Um, So that's just really stick to me. And this is what I'm trying to get more pediatric anesthesiologists to know about and hopefully incorporate into their clinical practice as well. And so you're in that moment and everyone's asking, kind of searching for what could be the problem, what the treatment options could be to to sort of intervene here. You didn't really have a a good idea, so you thought, let's use a point-of-care ultrasound. Did that immediately open up a a whole slew of options in terms of of treatment and how you would approach the patient from that point? Uh, Yeah. I mean, a lot of people had a lot of great suggestions at that time. Um, Many people thought, you know, let's get a stat chest x-ray, go to CT scan, get a pulmonology console, do an emergent bronchoscopy and evaluate the lung physically. All these great ideas came across my mind. Um, But the reason that I thought point-of-care ultrasound was the best choice and the best um, route to go to is because it's quick um, in terms of getting the ultrasound in the room. It's portable. I don't have to transport a patient to another location. It's non-invasive. There isn't any uh, radiation exposure in ultrasound, unlike CT scan or portable chest x-ray. So at that time, I just wanted to do the least invasive, the quickest method to diagnose pulmonary edema, and which, um, again, it helped me ultimately finding out that was the problem the child's going through and we were able to treat it quickly. So you mentioned that you started to see the disappearance of the B lines and the reemergence of the normal A lines, but did you mention what the overall outcome was for the patient? Yeah, the patient actually did great. Um, the patient, after two doses of IV furosemide, um, the patient's clinical presentation uh, improved gradually over ten to fifteen minutes. The oxygen saturation pretty much came back to 99 to 100% back to her baseline. Um, And then clinically, patient was strong, breathing really well, following commands, and we felt comfortable extubating, taking the breathing tube out of the patient's throat. And then we observed the patient in recovery, and patient did great clinically, and was able to um, eat and drink and tolerate PO intake very well, and went back to the fore, about 30 minutes after the recovery room. So and so I think 
this again, patient had a better and quicker recovery thanks to quicker diagnosis, you know, which lead to the uh, practical application of point of care ultrasound. That's a nice segue into sort of the next couple of things I wanted to ask you about. So I, just to zoom out from this particular case um, and, and sort of review the entire experience for you and, and also considering that you wrote a, a really nice review of uh, what went into making the decision and why, and why it was beneficial. Uh, I believe you touched on this a little bit, but were there some major lessons from this experience that you were able to draw moving forward? Sure. Um, I think the major lesson is obviously to use ultrasound machine earlier um, because you always want to start with some diagnostic uh, tool from least invasive to more invasive method. Um, And also really understand that pulmonary edema can be diagnosed with ultrasound quickly. And obviously, simple things are still priority like history and physical, listening to the chest, ruling out kinking in the breathing tube, mucus plug in the breathing tube. Um, These are still more common problems encountered for anybody undergoing a respiratory problem under general anesthesia. But point of care ultrasound really should be one of the first diagnostic imaging, um, especially in cases where one cannot figure out problems for oxygen desaturation because lung point of care ultrasound can really quickly diagnose pulmonary edema, not only pulmonary edema, but pneumothorax and even pneumonia. Um, So I think that one of the biggest major lessons is practice scanning ultrasound healthy patients of yours on your spare time. Um, So later on when you encounter these problems, it's a lot easier to identify pathology and figure it out quickly. Did you find that you and your team had some prior experiences that allowed you to quickly act and make the right decision here in terms of using point-of-care ultrasound? I'm just glad that I took a lot of extra learning and training session in point-of-care ultrasound and routinely incorporated to my practice prior to this case because this is the first case I ever used point-of-care ultrasound uh, in my clinical patient. Again, I'm a seven-year experience attending auto-residency and fellowship training program. Uh, and the whole idea of point of care ultrasound was brand new to me. I had to learn from scratch as an attending. Um, but I'm just glad I took the courses uh, by ASRA, American Society of Regional Anesthesia, a few years ago. And on my spare time, I scanned a lot of healthy patients of mine just to get used to seeing what healthy lung looks like on ultrasound. Um, and also I was in the process of getting hospital credential in point of care ultrasound. So even though this case was the first case I applied point of care ultrasound in a live patient who has pulmonary edema, but because of my prior training and practices and learning, it really prepared well for me um, in this real life clinical situation. Since this case occurred, have you been implementing that a lot more often in your practice? Yeah, definitely. Um, Matter of fact, very similar scenario happened two, three more times afterwards um, in less than a year. One other case was a colleague of mine who had a five kilo baby undergoing cleft lift and palate surgery. And since the blood pressure was running a little on the lower side, the anesthesiologist gave a a generous amount of normal saline and lactis ringer, which is a common practice in pediatric anesthesia. And the patient was extubated, doing well in the recovery initially. 
But later, the baby started having a lot of oxygen desaturation. And again, nobody could figure out the reason why the baby's having oxygen desaturation. So I used lung point of ultrasound again to take a look. And same thing happened. Prominent vertical B lines overshadowing the normal horizontal A line in all the lung fields. And the baby responded really well to IV furosemide and symptom resolved quickly. Even though it wasn't my case, but it was great to help a colleague out and diagnose and treat pulmonary edema before it gets worse. So um, I really wouldn't do anything differently. Um, and I, I, I do encourage that many anesthesia colleagues going through this point of care ultrasound training program. That's great information, um, Carla. And, you know, just out of curiosity for our listeners, if they are uh, interested in, in pursuing some more training about point-of-care ultrasound, uh, could you give a little bit more details on what that process was like for you and, and maybe some pointers on, on how to uh, go through with that on their own? Sure. Um, it's a great question. Um, so uh, I myself has a lot of interesting ultrasound use, so took the point-of-care ultrasound by Azra few years ago. Um, so that was just a start. And then I started using it um, in my spare time to practice on my healthy patients uh, on the downtime. But I think uh, we all need to do more than that um, to not only learn it on your own um, and practice your own, but maybe go to your own hospital's credential um a specialist to try to get point of care ultrasound into a formal uh, credential, either training process, learning process, and its application. In Children Hospital Los Angeles, uh, Dr. Seng Lei, one of my colleagues and myself, we um, started the credential process for the entire anesthesia department for point of care ultrasound. Um, so you pretty much have to first become a student. Um, and learning it, and then later you become the teacher, and you can credential other anesthesia colleagues yourself as well, because I think it's better to practice point-of-care ultrasound, not just out of your interest, but having uh, it as a tool under the process of uh, hospital credential uh, can help you in terms of any problem of liability that may come up. So I think this is the best way to go about it, not just learning it yourself, but go through the legal process of credential uh, to formalize the training and clinical application. Great. And thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, I think it was great to get some background on, you know, why you decided to write this case report. Um, you know, a lot of what you said here, you mentioned uh, in some pretty great detail in the article itself, which, you know, people will be able to read and, and check out. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on, uh, on this episode of On the Case. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Carl for being our second ever guest on On the Case. And thank you to all of you for joining us. I would like to remind you that if you were listening to Carl explain what went into writing this case report, and you were thinking that you too might have a case to submit, please consider doing so. You can go to our website at anesthesiologynews.com slash case submission and follow the instructions there. Now, I'd also like to remind you that we do have another new show out called Ask the Experts. In the first episode of that series is already available. It features our first ever guest, Dr. William Rosenblatt, who is an expert in airway management and especially in difficult airways. So definitely check that out. 
We also have the second episode of that series coming out in a couple of weeks, where I will speak with Dr. Amy Pearson about her leadership role in women in anesthesiology. And that's an organization that focuses on professional and personal development of women anesthesiologists, as well as on promoting a culture of inclusivity and diversity in the specialty. If you haven't already done so, I would definitely recommend checking out season two of The Etherist, where we explored the looming physician shortage that's expected to hit anesthesiology in the future. Now, if you enjoyed what you heard in today's episode, in the interview with Carl, or any of the other recent episodes, I'd like to invite you to subscribe and rate the Anesthesiology News Presents channel. And please consider sharing us with your friends and colleagues. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Anesthesiology News Presents On the Case was produced this month by me, Michael DePoe Wilson. It was edited by Ken Christensen. Our music comes from Blue Dot Studios. Our editorial director is James Pruden. The rest of the team is Richard Tordo, Justin Kaback, Blake Dennis, Betty Zong, Kristen Janicone, Lucia Scanlon, Kwang Yi Chung, Sophia Lee, and Sam Steinfeld. On the Case is a project of Anesthesiology News, the most widely read publication for the specialty, and the McMahon Publishing Group.